And yes, that could have been the sound as I was walking through the hospital earlier today, but we still managed to find a couple of staff in Alveston Ward and bring you today our Easter staff special from Alveston Ward. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hang on a second. And after that incredibly slick production, all that's left to <laughs> introduction, all that's left to tell you is that my name is Tosin. We're broadcasting from Sunshine Radio at St. Mary's on the uh, St. Mary's Hospital on the Isle of Wight. And with me tonight, as always, are Joe. Hang on a second. Joe? Hello. There you are. Sharon? Hello. And unfortunately, Sean will not be with us today. Sorry, Sean. Yes, yes. Sorry, Sean. I mean, after Joe had threw a hissy fit, we have to remember those who are not we here with us. We have to say Sean's not here and we're greatly missing you. <laughs> we are greatly missing you, Sean, wherever you are. Uh, today on the show, we shall be joined by Louise, by Kirsten, by Kim, by Olive, by Sam. And special thanks also to Elizabeth, all of these people who work in Alveston Ward in the hospital, which, as we said, we have adopted as our pet ward on this show yeah and who have also adopted us in return they are joining us today because we're having an alveston staff special because last week after speaking to the to the to the patients and they also threw their hissy fit saying why don't you speak to us so today it's our easter staff special so happy easter to you guys or happy good friday or good Isn't friday it nice that people are arguing over us it is good that people are arguing over us people actually want to have us come in it's it's pretty cool I mean, I know the last week we spoke to uh, a lady called Mavis Blanche in Alveston Ward. Yeah, I, I saw the comment. On yeah, on the, Facebook. Yeah, how funny was that? <laughs> People yeah. do listen. People actually do listen to us. People do listen to us. And they say, come listen, I'm on the radio. Come check it out. Come check it out. Although she also said I had very, very nice teeth. Hey. Well, I've been saying that for years. You have got very nice teeth. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, as, as far as, as compliments go, that's a great one. That is a great one. So... <laughs> Anyway, what do we do here on They Don't Make Them Like They Used To? We talk about old movies, films made pre-80s, films that we think are bona fide classics. And as the name says, they don't make them like they used to. Every week we choose a couple of films and we also ask people in the hospital what films are they well they think are great. Usually asking them two questions. What's the first film they saw in the cinema? And what is their favorite film they've ever seen in the cinema? This week, Sharon is kicking us off by choosing a film that she thinks is a bona fide classic. Sharon, will you please tell us what film you've chosen this week? Yes, in keeping with um, the day, Good Friday, I've chosen Jesus Christ Superstar from 1973. Jesus Christ Superstar from 1973. Okay, and here we go. Only thing to play from that. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. Yay, cool. Jesus Christ Superstar. So, Sharon, why? Well, besides the fact it's Good Friday, why good? Why Jesus says yeah, What's the that? film about, uh, Sharon? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> the premise of the film basically is there's a group of students travelling around the holy places in 1973 who put on a passion play in some ancient monuments in the Negev Desert. And they, they turn up in their tour bus and they unload their bus and that's when the first opening scene starts. And then they get dished out their, their costumes and as they get their costumes on, they start inhabiting the characters. And each person explores the last five days of Jesus' life as if to say, you know, finding out, taking away, what they're, finding out this in the song. 
they want to work out the myth from the man. Who was Jesus? They're just exploring that idea of who Jesus was. All right. Without actually coming to any conclusions, actually. <laughs> but it, it, that's what I like about it. It doesn't tell you who he is. They ask the question, who are you? What are you? Do you think you're who you say you are? And that's what I really like about it. Because a lot of the, the, the um, biblical epics, like The Greatest Story Ever Told and Ben-Hur, it's all there at this, like, yeah, this is who Jesus is. End of story. This one is us asking the question, who is Jesus? Yeah. Which I really like. And each song is from that per- the perspective of that particular character. So there's no sympathetic characters and no bad characters. It's just all from their point of view. So you open up with Judas saying, you know, where, where's everything? Why has it all gone wrong? In that doubt creeping into his life. Then you've got Mary. I don't know how to love him. He's, she's confused, but it's just unlike any relationship she's ever had before. Yeah. Then you've got the disciples. You know, hey, this is really cool. <laughs> this is going <laughs> to set me up forever. I'm going to be the disciple of this great teacher. And then when it all starts to go wrong, they're like, what's going on? How, why is it going wrong? When it's not going wrong, if you believe the Bible story, it's actually going right. Yeah. But they're thinking everything's falling apart. And then yeah. you see them falling apart. I just think, I just love it. I love the music. I love the fact that it's so funky in that early 70s sort of way. Yeah. And the fact that Jesus is the only one who wears like the white nighty. Everyone else is in that, they're their funky, hippy, dippy wear. Yeah. Like all the disciples are slightly long, they're long hair, they've got the dippy clothes, they've got that, like, they're embroidered, all they've got their tunics. All the Roman soldiers have short hair. They wear purple t-shirts and vests and yeah. boots and they carry guns. And it's... Yeah, well, there's all the, all the disciples are long-haired hippie. It's all about, all apart from Judas, isn't it? Judas, he's got very yeah, he's he's very cool. He, he's he's black. like shaft. He's like he's he's the, he's a shaft of this film. He is okay, because it's like, uh, all right because Jesus Christ Superstar, the film anyway, is done yeah. as a sort of seventies hippie musical. Yeah. So if you look at the quintessential seventies hippie musical, which is Hair, it's kind of like like of Judas is essentially playing. It's like HUD. It's played in the same way yeah. as like HUD is played in Hair. Yeah. So he's just kind of like this cooler than cool character. He's so cool. Who he's, gets who gets all the funk songs? He's ice cold. Yeah. He's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. All right. And Simon Zelotti. He's 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 black as well, and he's he's cool. He's mad, but he's cool. Yeah. 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 Because uh, this is done by Carl Anderson, and I think that the song, what, yeah. the character Jesus is played by, and the song Jesus Christ Superstar is mainly Judas singing. Yes. And it's it's done by uh, it's okay. and he goes he, uh, at the beginning. It's kind of all nice and polite, and then it goes all sort of crazy hippie funk towards the end. Yeah. Which I well, I just kind of like that personally speaking from from my I, I I love the funk, but but yeah, like the Blues Brothers, chosen the Blues Brothers. Do you like that film? Oh, it's funny that you should ask have that, you? Joe. I mean, I'm funny have you should ask it? that. I think that is the best film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna ask me, I mean, if you're gonna get James Brown, Aretha Franklin, anyway. So anyway, back to Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so and yeah. this film ends on Good Friday as well, because because it's looking at the myth, taking the myth away from the man. Mm-hmm. It's not telling you doesn't touch on anything happened after Easter after Good Friday yeah so it takes you up to the crucifixion and it ends there so some people think oh it ends on a real downer but it ends on like a contemplative note saying you know, you have to decide whether you think this is where the story ends or whether it does go on beyond this point okay and it doesn't tell you how it ends or how it goes on beyond that point it leaves it to the viewer which I just think is a good way of leaving it because that's the question you know that, that Peter asked you know who do you say I am yeah and that's the question that this film and to me this is what this question the film that the, the question the film asks is yeah who do you think he was cool so it's not, like, it's, not it's not like Jesus is some prototype Superman or something like that no he's very real in this and Ted Neely he plays him beautifully I think he's very sympathetic he's you know got a lovely rock voice mm-hmm. he sings all his songs with sort of passion and sincerity and i think gethsemane the way ted neely sings it is just still 
then it raises the hairs on your arms. And Ooh. yeah, he's just great. So, so Gethsemane, that would be like the big Jesus, That's, I'm going to die song. Yes, yeah. Okay. I only want to know. That starts in. No, you just know. ruined it. He dies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler alert, anyone? Spoiler, spoiler alert. Jesus Christ Superstar might, might, might involve a brother key character dying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's, but there's some, yeah, there's some seriously cool moments in there. I think it's just a great film. And there's like, when they go into the temple... And Jesus overturns the money changers, throws out the money changers and all these things. Um, and one of the revolving stands is a money changer and it's an old £5 note and you see the Queen's image on there from like a 1970s £5 note. Yeah. And there's a dollar bill and there's all sorts of <coughs> modern day money. So it just lets you, reminds you that this is a passion play. This is not a, the story of Jesus. This is a group of students putting on a passion play. Yeah. But yeah, it's fantastic. Because that's the thing that always confused me about Jesus Christ Superstar because I grew up in a church so as anybody who grew up in a church you know all the stories back to front. Yeah. You know all the kind of stuff that happens. You know all about Judas and Jesus and all that kind of stuff. Then you see Jesus Christ Superstar and you see a guy wearing some sort of weird leather trousers and all that kind of stuff. And, you, yeah. and I was just kind of like, what the heck is this? Yeah, someone <laughs> didn't do their research. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, that, that's, yeah. that was the first thing that I thought I was And like, you get tanks at one point. When Judas is going through his mental torment, he's crouching down and then over the hill come all these tanks. Mm. Yeah. I don't, you don't get tanks in the biblical. I, I was going to say, they didn't have like 2,000 <laughs> No, 2,000 years ago. Well, the, the, the Romans did, they just kept it very, very quiet. Secret <laughs> weapons. Yeah. All that tank. And, and it's, yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> things like that. I, I think it was also a case of uh, there was always a case of like going up in the church, going, "Who is this Andrew Lloyd Webber coming in? Who does this? Who does this heathen think he is coming here and touching our Jesus?" I think that's what to me. That's what I like about this film because it was not made by Christians because it was made by people who had who wanted to ask that question. You know, who was this Jesus Christ? And I like that. I like that idea as well because there's lots of things out there that from back there by Christians for Christians, and I think this is quite a good idea that someone is just curious. They want to know about him, and they use the musical format to do that to explore that. Okay. That's good. But I know I've got Christian friends who, who are uncomfortable with it. And I just think, no, just this is, you know, if you look at it as that there's someone asking the question, who is Jesus Christ? Then it's, it's, it's not, not asking the but question, yeah, it's it? not, yeah, mm. it's not because some think, is it blasphemous? It's not blasphemous at all. Yo. It's just, it's fun and it's groovy <laughs> as, as are we. You know, it is blasphemous. <laughs> what? I haven't seen it. <gasps> Now, that doesn't happen very often on no. this show. I haven't actually seen it. I've seen the musical. I've seen it in the in the theatre in yeah. London when it was up in London. Or Mayfair they, it might have been. I can't remember. They do repackage it every few years, so it has a slightly different sort of twist on how, the format. How similar is the film to... Have you, and have you seen... I've the, seen two or three stage versions of it. Right, I saw the one that was out, I don't know, when the most recent one, I think it was. Oh, I probably saw it about the 10 stadium. years ago. Oh, right, yeah. 10 years ago, whenever that was. How different is it to that? Is it is it sort of the same? The songs are all the same. So the music's all the same, but yeah. how it's set up, this is much more in that early seventies vibe, yeah. that slightly hippie vibe. Mm -hmm. It's like following up from this whole summer of love type thing. So right. everyone is like cool and groovy, man. And okay. when anyone's been a bit aggressive, it's like, hey, cool it, man. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's the kind of thing that they they could just retool it for every decade. Yes. So I've seen some eighties versions where they're like power dressing. And I've seen some like 90s versions where it's very futuristic, almost like where the Roman soldiers look almost like robots or something. Robots, yeah. I was going to say I was struggling to imagine uh, Norman Jewison actually directing 
the musical, you know, In the Heat of the Night's one of the greatest. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then I'm thinking, actually, no, hang on, he did Fiddle on the Roof. Of course he can do music. But yeah. the, the thing is, Norman Jewison, he seemed to be able to direct anything yeah, he wanted. Yeah, he's one of those fantastic directors that could, yeah. that could make a definitive film in virtually any genre. Yeah, he also but did Thomas Crown Affair, didn't he? He did, yeah. 1968. Yeah. It was a couple of years earlier. And in this, he makes, he makes Pilot sympathetic. He makes the Kerrod humorous. <laughs> He makes the disciples, even Judas. You, I was going to say, you said Judas. Judas was cool. You, you, we've the, got that recorded. She yeah. said Judas <laughs> is cool. Oh, no, no, but is, I've seen, I've so seen cool. that, and Judas is just hands down the coolest person. And he gets like the dancing girls and everything like that in the Brave, whole thing. Yeah. Well, the thing is, uh, each, the more I find out about Jesus Christ Superstar, the more I build this begrudging respect for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Because it's, I'm thinking this is actually this. There's some real thought going in here. There's yeah. some real kind of like questioning, and there's some, and it's a clever way of a, of attracting, of approaching something that for very many people would be a hot topic. I would be quite yeah. a, quite, and as you said, like you know, some people are like, oh, we don't like this. We don't like what he's doing here. All that kind of stuff. So no, because I mean, some people have like a knee jerk reaction to some of these films because they think, oh, it's bound to be offensive. It's like it's not. It's like I didn't personally find like Life of Brian offensive. Oh, and I think that's brilliant. So I, because it's not about Jesus at all, is it? It's about nah. making fun of the church, and the church is, you know, far away. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> as someone who does go to church, yeah, you know, we, we set ourselves up for a lot of these shots. There's like, a lot of, there's a lot of nonsense stuff them. that goes on. Yeah, so I didn't find, but people who haven't seen it sort of go, that's really blasphemous. It's like, uh, it's not. It can, it can be in bore taste in some places, but it's not blasphemous. The same thing about Jesus Christ. It's, I, I, I really rate it. I think it's a great musical. And I like the fact that it does, it challenges and it asks questions. Good stuff. Well, good kickoff for and Easter. Good for a good Friday. Good for a good Friday. Good for a oh. good Friday. Uh, do you know, there's like no real greeting for a good Friday. There's no good, good Friday or no, bad good Friday. No, there's good lots of Easter Day sort of, ch- uh, no, sort of declarations, but there's nothing for good Friday, is there? All right, cool. Well, thank you very much, Sharon. And now, Joe, it is time for the first clue on our movie legend quiz. So what happens is that every week, Joe actually find, gets a couple of clues for us and tells us about our movie legend. And we've got to try and guess who this movie legend is before the show's up. So all of you in Alveston who are all listening, Kirsten, you promised me you get it all hooked up. I hope you are listening. Louise, Kim, Olive, Sam, anybody else who's in there. Feel free to play along and I'll check up with you later and see how you did. Or just go on, onto our Facebook page, type in they don't make them like they used to into Facebook and give us what you think your answers are before this is over. So, Joe, first clue. Okie dokie, right. So, listen carefully. I've got uh, three or four. I've got four clues if we need them. Uh, here's the first one. This movie legend broke his nose in high school playing football. Uh, he later commented that this was unlikely. Uh, this was actually ultimately to his advantage as an actor because it gave him the profile of an eagle. Hmm. So I've gone with a really visual clue to start off because that brings a, a load of people to mind, and you can sort of filter out the ones that it definitely isn't. You know, the the, the leading men, the, the Hollywood stars that don't have the profile of an eagle. Profile of an and eagle leaves uh, who? Okay, cool. We'll think. When you said broke his nose in high school, something I was like, okay, I think I've heard this before, but I can't remember. So I will wait on the other clues. Sharon, anything, anything kicking for you? No, I'm tumbleweed like last week. Still. <laughs> okay, cool. Tumbleweed. I like that. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you very much, Joe. And now the moment everybody in Alveston has been waiting for. All right, people. All right, Alveston people. It is. <laughs> 
It is now time to kick off with the movies. We went around and we asked all the staff in Alveston that we could find what was the first film that they ever remember seeing in the cinema. So first up is Louise, and we'll let Louise tell you all about it in her own words. Uh, my name's Louise, and I'm deputy sister okay. up on Alveston. It was in Lake Cinema, which doesn't even exist anymore. I think it quite possibly could be Bambi. So I was about seven, maybe younger than that. Yeah, probably younger than seven. I wasn't allowed to go the first time we were going to go because I'd been naughty. And then we got to go the week after. That's the only reason I remember it was Bambi. <laughs> oh, but have you seen it like on video? Or what did you think oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember anything about it? Do you like it now? Do you? Uh, I'd like it for my children when I have some. It's a bit sad when the mother dies, but apart from that, <laughs> I don't really remember it that well. Right, cool. So that's a couple of things that have shown up on the show before. First of all, Bambi, and number two, Lake Cinema. So, guys, any thoughts on Bambi or Lake Cinema? I remember Lake Cinema very well. I do. It? The I... puppet used to come out. Oh didn't yeah, it? there was ice creams. There was intervals. They actually sort of stuck with intervals. Yeah. The bit after Jack and Rose have some fun time in the car in Titanic, and they close the curtains, and ice cream came out. <laughs> I remember that really, really well. <clears throat> uh, what well, I saw. Um, I saw some Disney films. I think I saw Pocahontas there. So yeah, quite a few. Some great memories. I saw a few. I like my abiding memory of Lake Cinema is once I went to see a film called How to Make an American Quilt. Oh yeah, with Winona Ryder in it. And I thought I knew the bus time, so I got outside and I saw that there was a pencil line through my bus, and there wasn't (laughs) another bus for three hours (laughs) to get me home. So I ended up walking home. Took me two and a half hours to walk home. (laughs) <laughs> there you go what a memory happy days but I loved it I mean it was summer yeah. nice walk nine miles or ten miles or something what film yeah. was it How to Make an American How to Make an American Quilt I've never seen that oh, no, it's, 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 it, it sort of sets itself up as like a chick flick but it ends up being a little bit deeper than that it's a bit deeper deep darker yeah it's, it's, a, it's essentially a woman who's scared about committing to getting married to her fiance yeah. and then she goes up and it's about it's about this community of women and like aunties and people and all that kind of stuff who 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 essentially put set her straight, but through the metaphor of making this quilt. But yeah, each see. square represents a different Sounds story. Sounds yeah. Clever. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, I get it. But yeah, Lake Cinema, cool. And they, yeah, the puppet used to come out, didn't it? The, yeah. And, Punch yeah, and Judy or whatever. The lights would the... go down, and then suddenly the spotlight would appear on the curtain, and then this little hand puppet would come out. <laughs> <and> yeah, <laughs> great. You know, then oh, that the the refreshments were coming. What would they do? Would they like reenact the film that just happened, or what happened, or just smack each other on the head? Yeah. I think I think <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I don't. I don't actually re- recall. There may have been a story. I think for the kids' ones, for the Disney films, they played out a little story there. All right. Okay. I, I just didn't care. It was, it was just like it's puppet. Yeah, hey, it's puppet. cool. Yeah, <laughs> good. Okay, and speaking of Disney, Bambi. Bambi. What? Yeah, we played. Yeah, we talked about this a little while ago, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah. Very moving, and he turned into. He does grow up at the end, which you tend to forget that Bambi does grow into a strapping chap. I never want to think that. I really. No. It's a boring part of the film. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bambi's a tiny little thing that can't walk on ice. That is my Bambi, That's and Bambi. I'm sticking with it. You can call me Butterfly if you want to. Uh, uh, oh, good Lord, Flower, that skunk. <laughs> Has anybody seen this, this recent YouTube thing where they have, it's a Saturday Night Live sketch where they have The Rock as Bambi? No, part of me is because, you know, The Rock is my guilty pleasure, as you know. <laughs> yeah, he didn't... Well, the, 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 sure the film, the, the, the film or the... <laughs> 
the film or the actor? The actor. <laughs> well, I know it's wrong, but I just can't help myself. Well, no, it's, it's actually quite funny because it's 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 essentially saying the whole idea that Disney are doing this whole thing where they're going back and finding all the animated classics and they're making um, live action versions of them, with right. Cinderella being in the cinemas right now. Tim Burton's Dumbo. Yeah, well, that, Ooh, that's, that, that's coming, isn't it? That, that's actually happening, isn't it? That's actually happening. Yeah, they're, they're actually going to make that. They made Maleficent with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, there's so, a Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, Beauty and the Beast is being done. It's Yeah, they've got Emma Watson as, as Beauty. Oh, right. they've, got, they've got Luke Evans. Luke Evans as Gaston, I think. Oh, he's lovely, though, isn't he? <laughs> I don't want him to be the bad guy. Gaston the, is not a bad guy. Well, no, he's Gaston just a bit, is lovely. He's the guy we all want to be secretly. Who <laughs> yeah. wants to be that's the guy bit, that's got Ga- Rose in his bedroom? Yeah, like, exactly. G- Gaston. Gaston is kind of like you know. Gaston is like he is the distillation of every sort of like dream that a man wants to have but is not allowed to by society. Feet on the table. Exactly. Eating five dozen eggs. It's uh, like yeah, that's where my egg. Uh, it's the swagger. Could be w- from walking Gaston. up to a girl and say, "Guess what? You're the lucky girl that I'm going to marry." That's Gaston. And every girl goes, yay. <laughs> oh, Should I be saw the beast. Or my case. But any, anyway, anyway, look at it. Look at it. The Rock as Bambi. Or Saturday Night I'll Live have to watch Bambi. That. I might it's have it's to go, like this hilarious you know, sketch that they have where The Rock plays Bambi. The Rock is just delicious, but I have to sort of just make myself watch it. Calm down. Calm down, Sharon. Okay. <laughs> if you get a chance, go on YouTube, type in crazy old Maurice raving. Maurice raving. Have you seen it? I've seen it. That's it's hilarious. That's the funniest thing I've seen in a very long time. Okay. Okay. So, Louise, thank you very much. So, that was Louise with Bambi. First Bambi time she Lake. saw it was at Lake. And now we have Kirsten. Kirsten, um, in your own words, tell us what was your first film that you ever saw in the cinema? Tell me your first film. E.T. All right. So, tell me the story of the... Of going to see E.T. Where did you see it? Who did you um, see it? At the Savoy Cinema in Newport, which isn't there anymore. They knocked it down. And um, I think it was 1982. I'm not sure now. I went with my parents. And I remember the best part was when he got knocked out by the fridge door. Me and my sister couldn't stop laughing at it. So what do you think of the film? Have you seen the film since then? Oh yeah, loads of times. I got it on DVD. Uh, what do you think of it? It's brilliant, yeah. What, what makes it so great? I don't know, it's just really funny, sad and just really good. It's classic Steven Spielberg. So, the words, it's classic Steven Spielberg. Now, Joe, I've heard this rumour that you have a bit of a man crush on Steven Spielberg. What I do don't you... know where that, that kind of nonsense comes from, really. Um, <laughs> I I thought, um, no, can't think of a bad Spielberg film. No, I do, I like him. Uh, it was 1982, she's absolutely right. Uh, and it's, uh, it is, it's one of those films that everyone saw as a kid, or if you didn't, you saw it with kids, and it, it's beautiful. It yeah, sort of I remember seeing it probably the same year it came out. I went to sit in Studio One, which is in Newport, which is now where, what's the pub that's the Studio One in I the know. high street opposite the sweet shop? Oh. Legends? No, what's let not legends? What's next door? Uh, it used to be, I know. Hogshead up. Yeah, Hogshead, yeah, 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 the, Hogshead was the book centre. Is it? And then the, the, the cinema. Yates. 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 Oh, okay, Yates yeah. was the cinema. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so that was Studio One. That was the cinema I, used to, I saw it at. But Studio, the Savoy was on the corner of Powell Street and Town Lane. Oh, so wow. where there's a furniture, it used to be um, DeBow's Furniture Shop, which then it's now a furniture shop again, but I don't know if it's DeBow's. But that was always on the corner oh, is there. Oh, the Solent, Solent Beds and Furniture. Yes. And they're not, they're the, not paying us, by the way. The flats no. next to it <laughs> are called Savoy Court. So that was the old Savoy cinema was on that corner. Oh. 
So we, how many cinemas did Newport used to have? And there was another one. In, there was loads. There was another big cinema in Mill Street. You know, up the top near where the the Holiday Inn is now, whatever it's called, yeah. the hotel. There was a cinema there as well, but that closed, you know, long, long time ago. No. All right. Cool. So can you imagine? One thing I like asking about this is when people say things like, "Oh, the first film I ever saw was E.T. in the cinema," and you're trying to imagine what that would have been seeing a film like E.T. in a cinema, and that being the first thing mm-hmm. ever. And okay, well, but uh, you guys probably remember E.T. a lot better than I do. But she said the favorite bit that she remembers is when he got knocked over by the fridge door. Yeah. What about okay? Favorite E.T. moments? What do you reckon? Um, on the bicycle, flying across the moon, dressing up as Yoda. <laughs> the kid, when, when they take uh, when they take him to school, and E.T.'s sort of dressed up as a thing, and um, some kids dressed up as Yoda, and they sort of have a moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you know just... what I mean? Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah. hey, he knows. Oh, yeah. It, it's a bit where they're going trick-or-treating, and then they're walking yes. along the road. And it's where E.T. actually sees this kid and starts walking off towards That's the right. kid. That's right. He's like, home, home, home. He's like, no, no, come here. No, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, that's my moment. That's the Yoda moment. Oh, right. I actually remember that. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. the bit where they have this quarantine outfit on and they're walking through these massive plastic tubes. Yeah, and they used to have like guns a... in the hand and Spielberg went back and took them out with CG so that there's no guns in the film now. It's all safe for everybody. <laughs> oh, right. How ridiculous No danger. Okay, okay. And we, we actually have a bit of a, a well, I guess I'm going to call him a mascot in the in the studio with us here. We have Mike Dangerfield with us just sitting here. What's your favourite E.T. moment? Um... Hello everyone. I was I, I was just thinking actually it was maybe not a favourite moment. I could just remember being really scared where the, where those big tunnels um, and then they took ET in there and I can just remember as a child thinking oh no no don't hurt him and just being really that was sort of stuck in my mind as being a bit of a scary hide behind the sofa moment. Yeah, actually, I agree with that. It was weird because it was a house that was friendly and that you'd been through in, in the story and then suddenly they put tunnels around the doors and it suddenly feels very alien and very cold and very scary yeah right. yeah and you think that et is dying don't you or you think that he's yeah. died is it me or, i can't remember the film that well but does et have a jesus moment where he comes back from the dead yes he's th- his heart slows down to such an extent that everyone thinks he's dead and he's like flat but they've got to pretend he's not and shut him up and put yeah. him back in the box but gertie <laughs> sees the flower or someone <clears throat> sees the flower start to to Growing perk back. up yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. they go oh, he's, all head, he's all head and then his chest starts to glow so he does have a resurrection moment yeah. oh, okay cool yeah mm. it's almost like we planned this show isn't yeah. it I mean, <laughs> come on oh you think that when until you hear the Gertie moment I have later on that I only just realised we have oh, now yeah. <laughs> so, alright so Kirsten thank you very much E.T. we I think I think I think it's fair to say that we, we we have a little bit of envy for you for that being the first film you ever saw in a cinema it's a great start to a life of film and now we have Kim, and I can't remember what Kim said, but let's hear it anyway. Wait a second. Can you hear anything? No. Yeah, I went yes. with a boyfriend that I was <laughs> going out with, and, um, and that's when we went to see the film, that Grease, yeah. Uh, what did you think of Grease? Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I do like rock and roll films. Yeah. Uh, Favourite scene in Grease? Uh, oh, and the, the last bit when they were dancing at the end. I did like that bit, when they were at the fairground. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With the cast, that's right. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I know what... Can't think what it's called. Yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. Be together, yeah, yeah. Hang on a second, we need to go get this. What was that? What was that? I'm not singing. We sang the song, oh. can't remember the name. What song? Oh, you're the one that I want. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, yes, indeed. 
So that was Kirsten and I believe Sam, who I'm going to refer to as the Alveston Warblers, doing their version of the one that I want. I see a feature coming. I can think <laughs> each week a different ward does a rendition of a famous movie song. I, yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that. And yes, I think, and I think also in the Alveston Warblers, I think Olive was also part of them as well. So that was it. Grease people. Kim said first one she went to see, see it in Newport, went to see it with a boyfriend at the time. Grease. What do you well, ah, What do we reckon? It's one of the first films I went to see at the cinema as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I saw it on re-release. I don't think I saw it the first year it was out. I saw it on one of its many re-releases later on. Yep. As used to happen then. I don't think it happens to the same degree now. But mm-hmm. in my youth, yeah, films, you had no, we had no home DVD or no recorders at home, no video players. So yeah. films would come out of the cinema again and again and again and just keep coming back. Ooh. So I saw it when it came back. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> is... I love it. Yeah. Okay, because okay, one thing about Greece, because I remember... Um, growing up in Nigeria, we heard about Greece. I don't think I ever saw it, but we knew about Greece. Uh, I think it was probably the reason many people knew who the heck John Travolta was, was because of Greece. I came over to England. I was in a boarding school in Somerset. And at some point, the teenage girls in the school just watched Greece every single day, even though it was like decades apart from whatever it was. What do you think is the enduring power of Greece? I think because it's made in the 70s, set in the 50s, it isn't tied to any one time. Okay. And so you, every ta- every generation who sees it, you can adopt it as your own. I mean, this February, I went to see the Grease sing-along with my friend as my birthday outing. <laughs> so we went there and we were singing along. I was invited, actually. <laughs> he was I, invited. I just had to wash my hair. <laughs> yeah. It was very <laughs> urgent. Prior engagement. I had the toenails needed to be cut or something. I yeah. can't remember. But Was uh, it February's lawn needed mowing? Or uh, right, yeah, 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 you remember yeah. that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was no great. I like Greece. Greece is great. And like, and same with Jesus Christ Superstar. I've seen it in the theatre, and I um, really, really enjoyed it. It was really loud. I remember it, I was quite young when I saw it. I remember going, "Wow, that's incredibly yeah. loud." The film is cool. The film's really good. I don't have a problem with it. It's not one of my favourites. It hasn't caught me in the same way that it catches a lot of people. But yeah, yeah I remember it is, loving it. It's, it's loving timeless. It. The fact that you say it was set in the fifties doesn't make it a, a, a film that's not cool. Does it? It's not like it was made in the seventies. It was set in the seventies. That would wouldn't be cool at all. But the fact that it's set in the fifties, yeah, mm. it does sort of last. Yeah, so it's nostalgic. It was nostalgic when it was made. So yeah. it has that feeling of timelessness in some ways, or you know, or just or nostalgia. It's always like a harks back to a more innocent age or a more cool age. Because everyone believes they're born in the wrong decade, don't they? They will believe that people who are born like people now think if I was lived in the eighties, it'd be so cool. I could have worn a rara skirt. I could have had a mullet. And then when you grew up in the eighties, <laughs> you still can. People, some people do. <laughs> and when you grew up in the eighties, you've been you're probably down thinking, Newport on a Friday. Oh, if I grew up in the sixties, I could have worn a mini skirt and I could have had, I could have had a beehive. And then, <laughs> so we also hop back to a generation that's not our own. I think. <laughs> of all things to watch, a mullet. Yeah. <laughs> like... Don't underestimate the power of the mullet. Okay. <laughs> oh, but the thing I also found as well is that with with Greece, he's he's looking at hearts back to a more innocent time and everything. I always thought it was funny because they're supposed to be teenagers in Greece, right? Oh, and they're all about thirty, aren't they? Well, yeah, but and also I'm thinking, where the heck do teenagers get cars like that? Because they all drive what I think are pretty cool cars. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was there was there was things about Greece that just kind of like confused me. It was like then it's like you when you grow older and you go back and you watch it again and you go, hang on a second. They're supposed to be teenagers? Yeah. <laughs> well, you sit now with all like, high school films, American high school films, everyone seems to drive. And you think, how old do you have to be to drive in America? Well, 16, I'm, actually. No, that, that makes sense, 16. Well, I'm 30. I can't afford a car. <laughs> Any car. I don't see how that... 
I didn't pass my test last 35, so no. I can't argue it. Uh, <laughs> the other thing as well is that because Greece, Greece, um, it isn't, well, it's it's not focused on, but there seems to there's a character played by Stockard Char- Channing. By Fancy Stockard Channing. Oh, Rizzo. Yeah, what you what, you do? Fancy Stockard Channing. That is totally understandable. Yeah, I, I fancy even more though in later life. Did you, there are worse things called, you could do. Well, the six degrees of separation. Oh yeah. I, yes. I, I think in that film there's something really um, really. Has does anybody see a TV show called The Good Wife? Yeah, with no. Jun- she plays Junilla Margulis's mum in that, and you think you she shows up, and you think. Yeah, she's still got it. Yeah. <laughs> she's still got she's it. She's got a yeah. very strong face, isn't she? That yeah. doesn't, it's not yeah. one of those faces that's going to be... Did you drop something on it then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Do a Home Alone and drop an iron on her face and it just bounces Good bone off. structure. It always <laughs> yeah, never lets you down. <laughs> All right, but yeah, there's a bit... Is there a bit where she has a pregnancy scare? Yes. All right, so they so they do actually do deal with some issues as well. It's not all yeah. just about driving cars and dancing around in Greece. Yeah, they have a scene in the back of the car, her and Kaniki. Oh, yeah? Where his um, protection fails. Oh, I see. And they decide to have unprotected sex anyway. Oh, dear. Cautionary tale for all those people out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Don't take risks, people. Yeah, exactly. Was, wasn't there a reference, there was some sort of reference that was cut out or wasn't allowed to happen? He's some, some bubble wrap or something. Oh, in, Is that right? In Grease Lightning, yeah, yeah because... Yeah, they have a scene where he grabs a, she- a roll of like cellophane type stuff and he rubs it across his groin. And most people think he's just dancing with it, but it is a reference to the fact that people used to improvise different yeah. things. <laughs> Allegedly. Uh, is anyone still listening? <laughs> Hello? St. Mary's? Is anyone there? It's, it's like we're making a public service announcement for the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, on yeah. that note. <laughs> Joe, could you please give us your second clue? I can indeed. Okay, so aside from having the profile of an eagle, this screen legend was actually considered uh, for the role of the police chief, uh, Chief Brody, in Jaws in 1975, but turned it down. That was the part that eventually went to Roy Scheider. Uh, so who is it that's got the profile of an eagle that you could have imagined playing pr- uh, police chief Brody in Jaws? All right, cool. Thanks. We will carry on with some of more of the um, interviews from Alveston in a, in a staff special. But now we have the next movie that we're picking as a bona fide classic. Joe, would you like to tell us what film this is this week? Right, we're going way back in time now. We're going nearly 85 years back in time to 1932 uh, to a film which uh, followed up uh, Dracula called uh, by Todd Browning. And the film is uh, a film called Freaks. Right, cool. And seeing as we obviously do not just make this show up on the fly, here we have, because Freaks is a movie that's hard to actually describe and contain, so we have something that was done professionally by a film historian called Robert Osborne and Drew Barrymore, who played... Gertie. In E.T. Oh, I see. Look at that. (laughs) Look at that. Look at that. Slick nonsense. (laughs) All right, here it is. You are about to witness the most amazing... The most astounding living monstrosity of all time. Well, this is one really strange movie. Freaks. <laughs> I mean, the title t- says it all. It but does. it is a bizarre movie. You like it. I really loved it. And what do you love it, about well, it? I think one of the things that really surprised me about this movie was that it, in so many ways, goes against the title. 
in the fact that it is a movie about people who are constantly talking about relationships. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I want to marry him, or he's broken my heart, or, you know, this, uh, you know, amazing sort of plotting and scheming that goes on in this right. movie. And, you know, ultimately, you know, these people want to take advantage, you know, of another character, but, you know, his former fiance is still in love with him and sort of how it has a really strong story right. in the backdrop of this, you know, roused about world. Right. So I, I like that it was that it sort of could have been lazy and relied on just, you know, the gimmick of these freaks or, you know, it could have become a real movie and it and it did. Mm-hmm. And I loved that juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. The thing that fascinates me as a film historian about it is the fact that it would be made by MGM Studios. Because this is a studio that's, you know, Norma Shear and Garbo and, you know, these high toned movies, glamour and all that kind of stuff. And have a movie about people that are so called freaks and in a carnival show. And of course MGM later also disowned the film. They sold it off to another company for a limited time and changed the title and didn't want to have anything to do with it. But then, you know, after all, it triumphed because people started re-looking at it, rediscovering it, and MGM was very proud of it. It's so, like, you know, typical cliche of a cult classic that gets, Mm -hmm. you know, appreciated. Totally ignored and then fully appreciated. And then Todd Browning had this really promising career um, he had done Dracula and worked with Bela Lugosi, and rumor had it that he was supposed to maybe do Arsene Lupin with my grandfather, right. and he turned that down uh, to com- you know, continue to develop freaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after the film, it seemed like people didn't really want to work with him. They- well, because it was a big disaster. It didn't make any money. I mean, he was such a hot number in Hollywood because of... Dracula, and it made so much money. It was why Irving Thalberg wanted him to come from Universal Studios, where he did Dracula and made all that money for them, to come to MGM and make a lot of money for them. And when that movie didn't make any money but actually lost money, then the industry turned their back on him. And people really, I mean, I remember, you know, when I was a kid, it was like you were kind of crazy if you hadn't seen or loved Freaks. Uh-huh. It had made such a resurgence in like the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. um, that I always felt kind of stupid, like I was the crazy one who hadn't seen it. Um, and then, you know, finally bucking down and watching it. And it was, um, it was really so different than what I had built up in my imagination uh-huh. for the film to be. Yeah, and it's not really a horror film. There's a horrific sequence in it and a horrific uh, destiny for one of the characters. Mm-hmm. But it's not really a horror film. It's about, it's about life just being lived at a different level with a different kind of people. It's, it's great. Yes. Well, let's see the movie. Okay. Here it is, by far the most controversial film that MGM Studios have released, certainly, from 1932, Freaks. So, Joe, anything to add to that? Well, yeah, uh, I didn't realise that Drew Barrymore, of all people, was such a fan. Uh, I feel less weird. It is. She's absolutely right, though. It is a, it is a film that uh, doesn't really take you to the places that you expect it to take you to. It's not a horror film by any stretch of the imagination. It's a film which shows how horrific people, the people in this story that aren't considered freaks traditionally are. So the normal, if you like, people are actually the ones which are out to... to cause trouble and which are out to get something out of it and the the, the performers in this circus um, uh, group are the ones which 
ultimately the good guys. So could we just go back a bit and you could just tell us, like, okay, what's the basic premise of the film? Okay, so the, this book ended by these, by these scenes where a group of people are, are being led uh, through these circus attractions, which are the people with various uh, disabilities or, or whatever it is that's happened to them. Um, and they're told that they're introduced to this the most amazing living monstrosity of all time. And then we go back in time and find out how this woman became uh, like she is. We don't actually see it at the start. We just see the audience gasping and screaming and obviously we're interested. So the, the next scene, we, we see Hans and his fiancée, Frida, uh, two people of short stature, and they're backstage in a circus. Uh, Hans is flirting with one of the performers. And at first it seems quite sweet uh, and it seems... Um, you know, quite nice, but the obvious height difference pr proves a bit of an issue. But as the film progresses, we find out that Hans is is going to come into some money. Mm. So suddenly, he's seen in a completely different light to this performer, who immediately sort of dismissed him as a bit of a joke. But now he's the, he's going to come into this money. She's she's all for it. She's thinking, yeah, I will have some of that. Uh, and the performer's uh, Cleopatra, who is ultimately the villain. And and the the uh, the, the thing that was mentioned in the previous uh, clip. At the end of the film, she's the thing that's being referred to. Quite a horrific ending. Um, she, she takes an interest in because of the money. Uh, two thirds of the way through the picture, they have a wedding, a wedding feast, um, where the tables are turned somewhat. Her, her true nature comes out and everyone sort of sees it. And she, they almost accept her as one of, as one of their own. And she, she doesn't like this. She doesn't like the fact that the freaks are accepting her as a freak. Exactly, and she and, and sort of her true colours come out uh, in a way. Um, she she gets very unhappy, calls them all freaks. That's where the title comes from. It's quite nasty, quite an uncomfortable scene to see. But but ultimately, she's being seen for what she really is, ugly inside. Yeah. Um, and uh, because she's she's used hands and almost ruined this relationship between Hans and Frida, they were going to get married until she came on the scene. Um, and because she's almost ruined it, the the, the freaks of this um, of this circus take their revenge on Cleopatra during a storm in, in the only scene that you could possibly say was a, from a horror film. Oh, yeah. And, and you don't actually see what they do to her. You don't see them do it, but they're crawling through the mud and, they, they, and they, she's on the floor underneath this carriage. And they do something horrific to her, and you don't see until you have the second half of those that, that bookend that I was talking about, where you finally see what everyone looking at this this, ah. this exhibit, and she's she's actually been basically cut in half, and she's just a torso with arms, and and and, and she's actually dressed uh, in in a um, uh, like a bird costume, which incidentally was designed by Lon Chaney before he died. <laughs> so you have this final really powerful moment where she has become. A freak, as you like, but only as as the revenge of those that were actually the good guys to start with. Wow. Okay. I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah, I've got vague recollection. I've th I initially thought I hadn't seen it, and now the more you say about it, I think I think I have, but mm. it was some oh. time ago. Okay, we are quickly running out of time, so here, Joe. Right. Okay. Um, so our screen legend appeared in two Best Picture Academy Award winning films. One of them was in 1952. The other one was in 1959. Okay. All right. Cool. And um, Alveston, hope you're still listening with us. I hope that, like, you know, f um, talking about Freaks, even though, as we hear, it is a great film, hope it hasn't sort of, like, put you off. And They said they were going to serve dinner just before they started listening to this show. <laughs> well, that, that, that's that out the window, then. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hope that hope he hasn't given you more to clean up or anything it, like it that. Is, it is a film with a lot of heart, though. It does... It does um 
it makes you think a lot and, and ultimately the right people are the ones which are shown to be the right people which, which is uh, it's good especially for 1932 all right cool and now going back to our alveston staff people we now have olive who's going to tell us about the first film she saw ever in the cinema Hello, my name is Olive. I work on Alveston Ward, and the first film that I ever remember watching, I was really, really tiny, and it was Snow White, and it was on a big colour screen, so that's probably why I remember that. And I went with all my family, um, but I hardly remember anything else. But I do remember it was Snow White. All right, um, what do you remember of the experience of like walking into a cinema and all that kind of stuff? I think I was about four, so not a lot, apart from the size of the screen, because TVs were much smaller in those days. <laughs> <laughs> the big colour screen, yeah. And it was animated as well, so it would have been more interesting, I think, for a tiny child. Did you by any chance have a favourite dwarf? <laughs> mm, probably Grumpy. <laughs> yeah. I'm Dopey, so probably Grumpy, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember. I loved them all. Have you seen Snow White since then? I have, but I don't remember it. Probably a long while ago within my children when they were young. I don't really remember it. All right, pop quiz. Sharon, favourite dwarf? Oh, Doc. Joe, favourite dwarf? Grumpy. Mike, favourite dwarf? Um, happy. Happy. All right, cool. I like the way you said that. <coughs> happy. Um, happy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool, but yeah, this, now, this was the first ever fully animated movie that was ever made. So everything that people have seen before then have been people walking around the screen and then all of a sudden drawings come to life. I can't imagine what that must have been like. Any idea? Well, I'm just sort of thinking like... Well, I know um, obviously everyone else in Hollywood thought that Walt Disney was absolutely mad yeah. you know, um, for doing this and he mortgaged himself to the hilt to make this film. Um, and if it, if it had gone the other way, I think history could have turned out very differently, but this was the sort of the start of the Disney empire, really. Yeah. And I think with no Snow White, no Pixar, we have a lot to thank the Walt Disney for. Yeah, Even who would have bought Star Wars? <laughs> yeah. Who would have bought half of Hollywood? Who yeah. would have bought Marvel? Who would have... Why would anyone go to Paris? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was ironic. All right, cool. So thank you very much, Olive, with that, Walt Disney, Snow White. And now we have a final person from Alveston Ward today, and that is Sam. My name is Sam, staff nurse on Alveston Ward. Um, Movie-wise, I can't remember the name of the first film I saw, but I can remember the story, and it was about a young girl that worked in a department store, and all the mannequins came to life. I went with my best friend at the time, who lived a few doors down the road from me, and I must have been about 12 years old. Um, It had good music, it had the Starship song in it, and when that comes on the radio, I still think of the girl that I went to see that movie with. Have you you ever found it ever since then? I have seen it, and if you showed me it, if I, I saw it, I would recognise the title, but I cannot, for the love of the money, remember what the title is now. Yeah. But I know the song that was the end tune to it, and I saw it at Newport High Street Cinema, and I can remember clearly and vividly going with the girl that I went with. That's it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Don't know about you guys, but right now I really want to find a karaoke bar. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm good. <laughs> we can build this world together. Woo! All right, cool. Yeah, Thank fun. you very much for that. Yeah, I know today has been a very, very much singing day. But anyway, um, 
Alveston, thank you very, very much. We're almost over. But before we go, we are going to have one final clue of our movie legend. Okay, as I always do, there's a quote from the screen legend himself. I have played three presidents, three saints, and two geniuses. If that doesn't create an ego problem, nothing does. Oh, rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, I've given away I don't know how many roles there from, from the guy. Three presidents. Three presidents, three saints, and two geniuses. Three presidents, three saints, two geniuses. That doesn't create an ego problem. Nothing does. So, hook nose or crow nose or eagle nose. Eagle profile. Profile of an eagle. Eagle, he said. Profile of an eagle. Been in two Academy Award winning pictures uh, in 52 and 59. All right. And was going to be the police chief in Jaws, but didn't. Uh, Okay. We have no time, so I'm just going to go with what I thought a while back. It's just Peter Fonda. Sharon? Well, I drew a picture and I thought it was Dustin Hoffman but I don't think he's played a saint or a president or a genius do you have any idea no I'm I'm calling blanks on this one okay Alveston you're probably on your phones but yeah anyway whatever <laughs> like from my cold dead hand Charlton Heston. Oh, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. When did he play a president? Uh, uh, well I can research that he's played three of them apparently all right cool well anyway Thank you very much for joining us today, everybody in Alveston. And seeing as we're speaking to the staff, we'll say, keep doing your great work, looking after all those patients. Have fun. Until the next time I see you, when I come and see a pet word, and remember, they do not make them like they used to.